Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Financial Confidence Podcast uh, with your host, Joshua Mock. That is myself, where I teach you how to manage and multiply your money. So you can reach me by calling our offices at 866-409-3028 or visit my website at joshuamock.com, joshuamock.com. So really excited about this morning's topic. As we jump right into things, we're going to be talking how you really do a budget. Okay. We called today, you know, working a budget and emergency fund. How do you really do those things? You know, we hear a lot of you know stuff on uh, maybe radio, other financial people talking about it and, and, and saying you need to maybe get rid of your car uh, that, you know, is two or three years old that you have. And, you know, you have a payment on it and you need to get rid of that thing and go buy a 1995 Honda Civic, uh, you know, with 200,000 miles. And I know that for most people, that just seems completely unrealistic. At least it does for somebody like myself. Think to myself, well, you know, our current car may have a payment, but, you know, it also is like a lot safer than, you know, for to put my family in than uh, maybe this much older car, reliability, all those kinds of things. So I think there has to be this this medium where, Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I was on mute and uh, you guys probably couldn't hear me there. So on Clubhouse, but on the recording and on the other channels, I am live there. So um, basically talking about this idea of a real budget and not having to do things like go sell your car to downsize into, you know, some you know, old used car that just most people aren't willing to give up. You know, in my in my experience, I've just come to learn that if somebody says, well, you've got to give up Starbucks, you know, you got to give up uh, eating out with your family ever, you've got to give up your car, you know, this and that. It's just most people aren't going to do that. It, it's just, it's not realistic. Um, most people aren't in a position or in a place mentally, you know, where they're, they're like willing to give up on these pleasantries and things that they enjoy in their life just so that they can maybe feel a little bit better financially in the moment. So so today we're really going to get into this budgeting, building the emergency fund, that kind of thing. So, um, and, and it really, all these things have to come together because they do work together. And that's why we're going through all this in steps. But I think today you're going to hear some different things than you've probably ever heard before. So just some stats from the last couple of years, just to kind of put some of these these things into perspective. This number hasn't changed in, in actually many years now. I'm, I'm very doubtful that it's changed again. This came out in uh, 2020. I remember the exact same stat in like 17 even, I think as long back as 17, I can recall the exact same stat being true, that nearly half of all Americans would have trouble finding $400 to pay for an emergency. And you think about the average price of a you know, water heater for your house is seventy. You know, seven eight hundred dollars. By the time if somebody doesn't know how to install themselves, that's a thousand dollar problem plus, um, just because your water heater goes out or you know something of that nature. And most people are not in a position where they have the money they need. You know, millions of Americans have no savings set aside for a rainy day, uh, leaving them in serious jeopardy and financial calamity strikes. This was a USA Today thing. Well. 2020 COVID was, I think, the great reset for a lot of people financially, mentally, right? 
I, COVID was the first time in a long time, uh, even more than the 2008 recession for sure, where things happened so fast. It was so violent. You know, it was like, oh, there's this sickness. And it was like a couple weeks later, boom, everybody was in lockdown and like 30 million people were jobless essentially overnight. Okay. Well, what the government had to do was a send out money to people so that people could survive financially. Okay. So that was one thing they, I mean, they just started sending out checks, right? And so we had to print dollars, which we'll pay for in the form of inflation, which isn't today's conversation, but they had to print a bunch of money to send out to people. And the other thing that they did was they lifted the 10% penalty ban on, uh, traditional IRAs, 401ks, things like that, Roth IRAs, these qualified investment accounts, they lifted that if you're normally under 59 and a half, if you take money out of a retirement account, you pay an additional 10% penalty. So for a period of time, they lifted that. And why did they lift that? They didn't lift the taxes, by the way, but they did lift the penalty upon, you know, the stacks on top of the tax. It's like, why would they do that? Well, because millions of Americans, as this thing said, millions of Americans have no savings set aside for a rainy day, okay? So that was a perfect example last year in 2020 where we saw financial calamity happen. Things come, you know, things come tra- crashing down really fast and, and everybody realized, oh shoot, I don't have an emergency fund. I don't have money to lean on. And that's, you know, really where that got started. So today we're going to be getting into budgets, though, and that emergency fund concept. Uh, and if you would like a budget worksheet, a spending worksheet, you want to know what that looks like, uh, you want a free download of that, uh, visit me at my website at joshuamock.com. You can email me, just email me the word budget, and we will send you that budget sheet back if you email me that or you can also get it through our full financial mastery class, uh, financial master class, which you can call us for, or you can visit the website. You can even go to my Instagram at Joshua Mock on Instagram and click financial master class in my link there. And you just punch in your information and you will get our 12 video program uh, absolutely free. So sent out to you. So, all right. So principle number one getting into it, where will I get the money to get started? You know, most people, okay, how do I get the money to even get started with an emergency fund? Well, that comes down to starting in the budget. So most people, as we know this saying, it's kind of cliche, but most people have too much month left at the end of the money, right? It's like the 25th, we don't get paid till the first, but we're pretty much out of money. And that's where then people go and they live on their credit cards for the next five, six days. And they're waiting for the next paycheck, right? So the the thing is that I learned this when I was younger. I had a really I was having a real hard time saving money. And a mentor told me, no matter what your income, you can find money to save. You can always find money to save in some way. And we have to make it easy for ourselves to save, right? We can't make it hard. So I think like I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and uh he said who runs a radio show, uh, Roy Matlock Jr. And we were on the phone just yesterday and he said, I have an app, you know, on my phone connected to, uh, you know, his mutual funds where he said he was sitting with a bartender one time and he said, uh, the bartender said to him and his, his spouse, hey, do you want to have another glass of wine? He goes, 
how much is a glass of wine? He goes, uh, 12 bucks. He says, okay, so times two, cause I'm getting it for me, you know, and my spouse. He said, okay. So he says, that's 24 bucks. He said, watch this. He pulled out his phone and in 60 seconds, he said, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to forego that glass of wine. I'm going to save it. And he punched into his phone, hit 25 bucks and took the money right out of his checking account and sent it right to his mutual fund investment account right on his phone in less than 60 seconds. And he said, what did you do there? The bartender said, and he said, well, I just saved it. He said, how often do we say to ourselves, well, I'm not going to go out to dinner tonight. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save it. But then when do we actually save it? Like we don't actually save it. We don't spend it tonight on that. But then, you know, we as Americans, we let that money accumulate in our checking account and we will find another way to spend it, right? So uh, so I, I just think like that, make it easy. Create a way that is easy and to put money away. So if you're, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, Josh, that's amazing. How, how do I get something like that? Um, like I said, reach out to me on my website at joshuamock.com or give us a call. We'll help you figure that kind of thing out. So, so here are seven areas to free up money that you can save. Okay. And then kind of concepts. So number one is the the old adage of pay yourself first. You have to put some money aside before you start paying bills, which when you're not making a lot of money, sounds totally asinine because you think let's dumb every month. I don't have enough money at the end of the month, but so I can't put away money before I pay my bills. Otherwise I won't have money to pay my bills. And it's just simply untrue. It's really wild, but we find ways to make things happen, right? We find a way to spend less money in other areas so that we can in fact still pay the bills. And it's funny. You'll, you won't go out to eat. Maybe that if I told you like, don't go out to eat as much, don't get Starbucks. You would say, I don't know if I can give up. I don't know if I can give up my coffee, but if you, or if you put money away and you saved it before those things started to happen, you would automatically not go do those things without even really thinking about it. It's amazing. So adjusting lifestyle, I don't really like that one. See, I have a hard time with like adjusting my lifestyle, um, establishing a cash flow plan. Okay, we can get in a little bit of that later, but there's adjust priorities. That one's big, okay? Uh, it's amazing how, you know, so many things are connected, a uh, good friend told me one time, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? And when I started to understand that, I started to understand, okay, well, I'm not very good at saving money. And I've also let myself get 30 pounds overweight. Um, I'm not in, you know, the peak fit uh, condition I was at one point. And I thought to myself, okay, I don't want to stop eating out because I enjoy eating out. But my what I could do is work on my fitness. And if I think, okay, I want to get more fit. Well, that's going to entail eating at home because naturally you're going to eat at home. You're going to eat less uh, processed food, much less, way less of, you know, the bad oils and stuff that they cook our food in, which is the number one way to create inflammation in the system. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to eat at home because I want to get fit, not because I'm trying to save more money. And then we started, I started to eat at home, make dinner at home so that I could get fit. But then all of a sudden I was saving piles of money every single month because I wasn't eating out. So I just think when you think of about is adjusting priorities versus like changing the lifestyle, you know, if you think like, well, don't do this, it's like, well, that's not fun. You got to connect it to something else other than, well, I'm not eating out anymore because I'm trying to save money. 
Maybe that works for you. But for some people, you might have to spin it in a different way uh, for you mentally to get through it. It's like dieting. You know, there's a lot of things that work this way. You got to kind of spin it so that you can get through it. Otherwise, you'll fight it and you then, you know, fall off, fall off the wagon kind of thing and, and go a different path. So number five, earn extra income. Okay, this one's the big one. You just got to make more money. That's why I hate the idea of adjusting your lifestyle. I, I don't like the idea, you know, Dave Ramsey says, well, you know, go sell your car. As I was saying, when we opened up, go sell your car and buy a 95, you know, Honda Civic. And I'm it's like, no, you know what? Uh, I don't want to go buy some old car that's less safe than my current car, has no amenities in it and this and that. How about I just step up my game and figure out a way, as we talked a little bit in the first episode, if you didn't hear that, go back and listen to episode one from last week about stepping up your game. Like, okay, how do I make more money? How do I put myself in a position to increase my income dramatically so that I can still achieve the financial goals that I have? I can put myself in a place to, to maximize my savings, to maximize my debt freedom plan, et cetera, et cetera, but without having to cut back my lifestyle to live like, um, you know, like I'm like I'm broke. I mean, I just can't, I can't, uh, get my head around the idea that somebody who's making a good income between a husband and wife are going to be willing to live like paupers, uh, so that in X amount of years, they'll be free. Some people would do it, but I bet it's less than half a percent of the population. Very, very, very few people that are willing to give that up, um, in order to get that. So, so, Realign your assets. Uh, we, we call that selling something, okay? You probably got some junk if you're like me. You, you've accumulated a bunch of stuff. You could sell it on eBay, Craigslist, and you could take that money and you could pay off some credit cards with it or something like that, all right? So, and the last one there is avoid the credit trap. It's just being very careful with credit cards. I love credit cards. I think credit cards are amazing. Um, I, I, I don't agree that people shouldn't have credit cards. Credit cards are fantastic, man. They come with a lot of benefits, but you have to use them wisely, right? Uh, it's like you got to use them for what they're intended for. So, you know, uh, because of, let's say you have a premium credit card, um, you know, like a Chase Sapphire preferred or, uh, American Express platinum card or something like that. You know, you never have to get the rental car, additional insurance, all those kinds of things are already a part of your card. Uh, you know, if somebody steals or does whatever, there's a lot more protection with a real credit card than there is with a debit card, not to mention things like airline miles, points, all that kind of stuff that you can convert as well. I mean, my wife at this point and I just, we don't pay interest, but we use our credit cards and we pay them off, but we have well over a million, it might be over 2 million now, uh, points in just some credit cards that we have in points that then we can use to buy. I mean, I, I got enough points right now. I could take an entire European vacation business class with my wife, staying at great hotels in Paris or something completely free on points from credit cards. So you can't tell me credit cards are bad. It's just you got to be responsible with them. And you got to not pay interest on them. You just got to pay off the balance every month. So find out where the money uh, should go. Okay, so we should, we kind of looking at a pie chart. Housing and debt should rep- represent 30% or less of the total kind of pie chart for somebody in their family's financial structure. So housing and debt, 30% or less. Then you're going to look at living expenses. It's going to be like another 25%. 
when now taxes, it, you know, they always say ideal is 25 because if you're making more than, you know, you're in the 22% federal tax bracket, that's around $80,000 a year married filing jointly. That's 22. Plus, if you're in a state with a lower state income tax, this and that, let's say you're in a 25% bracket, okay? Uh, 4% for insurances and then saving and investing 15% of your income. So what we have in America is the housing and debt for most people is like 40%. Their living expenses are high. Their insurance and savings is low. Most of the time people are underinsured. They don't have enough insurances and they're saving nearly nothing at all because they're spending it all in living expenses or they've acquired too much debt. And that's why we're talking about a budget here. So uh, and, and actually insurance is kind of funny. Insurance is the single thing that when you look at um, emerging markets, okay, countries that are kind of on their way up into kind of the civilized banking, you know, kind of way of life and things. If you look at uh, emerging markets versus established markets like the U.S., Canada, Europe, things like uh, Western Europe, things like that, the number one differentiator in those cultures is insurances. People who have money have insurance. They pay for insurance. It's a priority. They have car insurance, homeowners insurance. They got an umbrella policy on their house. They got life insurance. They got loads of life insurance. They got, they got everything insured so that if anything happens, it's not coming out of their pocket. And then what happens in emerging markets is everything's very cash oriented People don't have insurances, that kind of thing. So insurance is a big, big deal, but you don't want to spend too much on it. You want to have efficient insurance, but you want to have most of your things insured, especially what I call the big four, health, life, auto, home. You want to have the big four insured really well, okay? So some keys to handling your money, all right? Never lose money. That's one of the big things. Just don't lose it, okay? Which sounds easier said than done, but I think in Warren Buffett's three, in his like top 10 rules of investing, you know, the top two or three is never lose money. He's like, never lose money, never lose money, never lose money. You got to be in a position to not lose because the more you lose, the more you got to come back from. Okay. If the stock, let's say you lose uh, 50% on an investment, you have a $100,000 investment, lose 50%, it's down to 50 grand. If that investment gains 50%, you're only up to 75 grand because you're only making 50% on the 50 grand. So you need a 100% return to make up for a 50% down. So see, it's more important not to lose than to gain. So that's a really important philosophy to understand because how do we lose money when we're looking about not investment investing, but when we're just looking at budgeting, how do we lose money? We're, we're frivolous with it. Uh, we kind of throw it around without really thinking about it, right? We um, maybe, I'm just trying to think of a couple of different things that are simple, but I waste money on all kinds of stuff, you know, and I've become a lot better at this over the last few years, but there was a season where I was just awful with this. It's like, I, you know, you buy this cup of coffee or, you know, you're driving by somewhere and you're like, well, I might as well grab a snack. And, it, you know, and it's just like, do I need the snack? No, that's probably why I was overweight. You know what I mean? It's like I could forego the snack and save the money, you know, or you feel the need to get 
some new clothes or whatever, you know, and pe- we just kind of, and then you don't even wear them, you know, it's like, I don't know how many duffel bags I've got. I like this fascination with duffel bags. Uh, it's like, I love to travel with duffel bags, that kind of thing. I have a lot of luggage and it's like, why do I need another luggage bag? You know, it's just, it's, it's a way to lose money. So that's that idea of stop buying stupid things, right? We just kind of got stuff that we don't really need something new. The old one works just fine. And when we're on a, when we're in a position where we're not financially independent yet, if we're in a position where we have debt, we're not totally financially independent, we're just going to be a whole nother multi episode on the podcast, but is, is this thing like we got to stop buying stupid shit. Okay. Like we got, we got to knock that off. That's one of the biggest things for me. My wife is the saver. I'm the spender. Now I know that I'm teaching a financial course, but like, I think that the people, people who are super frugal aren't the best people at teaching about money because it's easy for them. It's really hard for me not to buy dumb stuff. I mean, I, I just, I don't even have much time right now. I'm running multiple businesses. I'm really busy and I, I want to join. I love golf. So I wanted to join the country club. My wife's like, you don't, we had a country club membership. You never went. And it was just really expensive place for us to have dinner because you weren't even playing golf enough. And it was like, yeah, I guess you're right. But that part of me wants to what have the membership, go to the country club, you know, that kind of thing. So, so only spend money that you have. That's the big thing. That's how you stay out of credit card debt is you only spend money that you have. If you're not good with credit cards, put them away. I'd got myself in a lot of credit card debt in my young twenties Um, I got out of said debt and then I didn't have a credit card for like five years, even though I was just saying how great they are. Now I do, but that wasn't until I had a huge emergency fund saved up all this money. Uh, I'd been out of debt for a long time. I was way more responsible financially. It was kind of like I was off, you know, it was like, I don't know how to give example of this, but it's like, you know, maybe you had a problem with drinking and then you stopped drinking for years or something like that. And you come back and you're like, well, I can have a drink here now or then. Now that's not true, of course, for most forms of addiction, but, um, I wasn't really addicted to credit cards. So it's maybe a bad analogy, but you kind of get the point. It's like, I can use them now. Um, because now I have much more money. I have an emergency fund. I have a budget. We have some of these basic things put to scale and operating. So, um, so have a big goal. I, you know, the, I want to save 50% of my income. So I'm, I'm really working on, okay, how do I get myself to a position where I can save half of everything I make? Okay. And like that, that takes work. I'll tell you what, when you try to figure out how to save 50% of your income, that takes work, but that's how you can retire years and years sooner than other people. If you so chose, I don't think I'll ever actually retire. I'm kind of wound up kind of high speed person, but I love the idea of being totally financially independent before I'm 40 years old. That sounds great to me, right? Uh, the idea of not worrying about money. So, so let's take a look, a couple budgeting tips, take an honest appraisal of what you spend. Okay. So I think one of the things, like I said, reach out to me for a budget worksheet. We'll get you a free download of this, but this is going to take some work. You can't just look at the last month you really got to go back in your checking account and look at like the last three months and create an average and see how much money do we really spend eating out? How much money do we really spend on entertainment on, you know, these different things that now it's changed a little bit, but let's say the movies, you know, and uh, how much, I mean, I can't remember. It's like 85% of the population has a subscription based program. That's auto draft other checking account that they have forgotten about. 
I read that the other day and I, I was cracking up. They've forgotten about it. And I literally told my wife, I said, pull up the pull up the Amex statement. I want to see what's coming out of their auto draft that maybe I've forgotten about. Because how easy is it to be paying eight, nine, ten bucks for something that you totally forgot you're even paying for? Right? So take that honest appraisal of where you're spending your money and break that down. So everything is electronically itemized. Okay. And you can do that now. I mean, you know, most people's checking accounts can do that. Um, you can do that through a lot of, you know, these little spend programs like mint and things, those will help you. You can connect them to your bank account and it's going to let you know a lot of these online resources like that, that'll let you know where you're spending your money. Okay. So then decide what you're going to adjust. Okay. Not sacrifice. It's an exchange. Remember what I was saying about like, I'm exchanging eating out, not because I'm sacrificing to save money. I'm not eating out so that I can lose weight to be more fit, to feel better, right? To, to have more energy, all this and that. That's why I'm not eating out. It's an exchange. I'm not eating out so that I can feel better, healthy, right? But the byproduct with the result that comes from that is more money goes into savings. Okay. So, so, uh, keep as many of your expenses as you can variable. All right. Fixed costs or, uh, you want to kind of keep out those fixed costs uh, whenever possible. And then basically set yourself up to be an automatic millionaire. Cause like then if you figure out a budget and you really realize, wow, okay, we've got the money we need to, uh, set this much aside every month, you know, that kind of thing. Now you can do, as I said in the beginning of the show, you can set yourself up to say, okay, I'm going to have $500 taken out on the first of every month and $500 on the 15th of every month. And we're going to save $1,000 a month into our emergency fund auto drafted right into our investment account, which so there, so there's basically three kinds of emergency funds. I like to think of it small, medium, large. Okay. So you know, really, it's kind of like you have your emergency fund, then you have your your kind of your intermediate. Let's just take it like this. You have your small account. That's your checking. Okay. If you had three cups, you know, you went out to eat, you know, let's say uh, um, McDonald's fast food. Everybody's been there. You got a small cup, a medium cup, a large cup. The small cup's your checking account. Now, that's just your daily operational money that goes on in there that you you live on, Right. Now, I think one of the first things that you want to work to get to is the very first thing you want to do is figure out how to quit operating at zero. So people say like, well, have a thousand dollar emergency fund somewhere else. Well, okay, you can do that, but I think it's just easier to make your checking account a thousand dollars is equivalent to zero for you. So if you're at 1100 bucks in your account, you think to yourself, I got a hundred bucks left and then we're broke. And it's a mental switch, just kind of like eating well or something. It's a mental switch to tell yourself that thousand dollars is not there. It's not my thousand dollars. I can't spend it. It's zero. When you start to operate like that with that form of discipline that you don't go below that number, then what's going to happen is your, your small cup, your checking account is going to start to operate at a smooth level. Now, I think you want to move that number up over time, depending upon your income and your expenses. The more somebody makes, the more that there could be, you know, they have bigger things in their life, things like that, larger emergencies that could come. So somebody might want to bump that number up to maybe as much as, let's say, three or 5,000. I wouldn't go any higher than that. 
You should be in something making more interest. But somebody could say, I want a $3,000 floor. I've always got enough there for if we have to go further, right? It's kind of like draft protection inside of your own checking account, okay? That's a small account. Once you got your budget operating monthly, your bills are coming out, everything's on time every single month, rolling, and I've got a minimum of 1000 left in my checking account, small cups handled. Then medium cup. Medium cup is a cup that nobody in America had in COVID, and that's why the government had to issue checks. That's why the government had to take off the 10% penalty because nobody had the medium cup. Everybody had the large cup money going in. That's a 401k, Roth IRAs, qualified accounts, anywhere that you're putting money away and it's for retirement purposes. It's like everybody had their small account and their large account, but nobody had their medium account. And that's why the country had to issue out checks to people. The middle account, okay, is your true emergency savings. So this is going to be probably a connection of money market style funds and probably some stocks and bonds kind of use. So people are going to blend this in and actually create a real investment portfolio here. Now it's going to start off with just a money market though. And you're going to put money monthly into that. Once your small cups handled, you're going to start to monthly put money into your medium cup and that one you're going to start to build up. Now I don't really agree that you should pay off all your debt before you start doing this because what if COVID happened while you were on your debt plan? Well, guess what? Being out of debt didn't really help you a whole lot. If COVID happened, you were unemployed. What would have helped you is if you had 10 grand sitting in a checking in a savings account, money market account. If you had 10 grand in money market account, you could have leaned on that when somebody was unemployed. You can't lean on the fact that your credit card balance is lower. So having money in an emergency account is really important to get you into a cash cycle so you can get out of the debt cycle. So, and I'm not saying that you just, you go full into one or the other. It's just a little bit of both. You're working on getting out of debt. And at the same time, you're forcing yourself to save some money into an emergency account. So somebody might only be saving 50, a hundred, you know, two, $300 a month into that account, which is possible when you start to, like I said earlier, Stop buying stuff you don't need, all those other things we were discussing. So I'm figuring out where money is being wasted. So the medium account, you want to build that up to six months worth of living expenses. So what does that mean? Well, people say, oh, six months of my income. If I make a hundred grand a year, I need 50 grand in there. Uh, doubtful. For most people, it's not that high. What is your month? What is your life really cost? You're on lockdown. You you are unemployed, imagine. You're sitting at home, you still had to make your car payment, you still had to pay your mortgage, you had to pay your cell phones, you had to pay Netflix, you had to pay your internet, you had to pay your gas bill, light bill, right? You had to do that. What does that look like? Groceries, that kind of thing. When you cut out the fun, because if you were what? Unemployed or in an emergency situation, you wouldn't be blowing cash on other stuff. So COVID was a great example of that. And a lot of people, the number's not as high as they think. They'd say, you know, well, I thought my monthly expenses are five grand, but really, if it wasn't a normal, like if we we're in a real emergency, we very easily could live on thirty five hundred a month. Okay, well now it's thirty five hundred times six. That's your realistic number for your emergency account. It's not this massive, you know, this massive number. Okay, so because it it tends to be different. The other thing is 
Once you build that account up, you can then put it into more investable assets as it starts to grow. I'd say once you have at least the first like month or two in there, then you can start to put it to more investable assets that can actually grow and make money. Because then if you were putting in $500 a month, you can stop putting in that that $500 per month. You can move that on to debt, let's say, or you can move it on to the large bucket, depending on where you are in your financial like stage. Okay. So you can stop putting the money into there and move it to something else that's priority. But guess what? If you got 30 grand in that account and it makes 10%, well, that's $3,000. If it made even, it's more conservative, made only 5% return this year, made 1500 bucks. Well, guess what? Now you got $31,500, right? It's growing. It's a way, but it's accessible for those large emergencies, things like COVID, um, when things really get thrown out of whack, okay? So basically, that's the idea behind a budget in an emergency fund. You want those small, medium, large, got to get the small account in, in control so that you can start to focus on the medium account, and you got to get the budget figured out, basically where you're wasting money, where the auto drafts going, what, what am I spending money on that I could cut back on? But I think the most important one is how can I get my income up? How can I, you know, what can I do at my job? What can I do in my industry, whatever, to put myself in a position to step up uh, my ability to make more cash? Okay, so so basically what I want to do here for the last few minutes, uh, as we did before, is if anybody's got a question on today's topic uh, before I end the show, uh, feel free to raise your hand. You've, you look down the bottom, you'll see a little hand and you can raise your hand. And if you got a question on budgets or maybe, you, you know, so there's, you know, quite a few people listening live right now. If you're thinking to yourself, I don't, I'm no good with budgets or I'm good with a budget or I've talked to, you know, maybe you're like, I'm talking to a friend about a budget trying to help them with theirs um, or an emergency fund. How should that emergency fund look you have any questions about those kinds of things, how maybe you should invest it, anything like that, please uh, go ahead and raise your hand and I can bring you up here and ask a question. So such a uh, fun topic, but such a kind of simple thing. So uh, Wendy, I'll bring you up here and welcome to the podcast. So hey, good morning. Hey, so I just wanted when you talked about um, the, you know, selling everything and living off beans and rice and rice and beans. I brought to my memory, uh, one of the clients that I've uh, come across and they sold their Apple stock. They had inherited Apple stock and because of, you know, wanting to be out of debt, you know, incredibly fast, they sold their stock and paid off their debt. And I sat down and calculated the future value of what that stock would have been worth, especially with all the splits. And it basically was their fortune. So I just think that your approach to paying off debt in a responsible manner, because that way you, I think you um, can relate to it more and you become more disciplined in the future. So versus selling things that can be of major value in the future, like cashing out 401ks or anything, anything like that, highly, highly disregard. So anyway, but love listening to you this morning, Josh. This is fun. Thank you, Wendy. I appreciate that. And uh, wow, talk about scary, right? Somebody sells off Apple stock that was probably worth hundreds of thousands of dollars now or something, right? Uh, Terrifying. Well, 
and what happened, you know, I came across them probably five years afterwards and they were back in debt because they didn't have that middle. I like your middle size cup. Their middle size cup wasn't done. They paid off their debt and they didn't fix their um, habits and they were back in debt. So right. great so point. I think, it's, I think it's better to pay it off and, and, you know, give yourself that pain. It took, you know, it might've been easy to get into it, but if you can have that discipline to pay it off, then that's going to be more of a, uh, a foundation for your future. So. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the idea. Like I was saying, if you had, if you got yourself out of debt and then COVID happened and you became unemployed, the only thing that's happening now is you're going right back into debt because you're, it's like, okay, well, we paid off all of our credit cards and all of a sudden it's March, 2020, you lose your job and you got to live, you're, you know, you got to survive for you and your family and all your bills. And in a matter of no time, I know people have got in 20, 30,000, $40,000 in credit card debt last year because they were living on the credit cards. Well, why was that? Cause they didn't have the middle cup. It would have been better. They would have been better off still having 10 grand in credit card debt. They were working on it, but they at least had this cash pile to lean on in a hard time that wouldn't end up flipping them upside down, you know, and ended up in a, a worse situation than they ever were beforehand. So I just don't think that things are that simple. I don't think that you can just kind of one step, two step, three step on everything. Um, you know, these finances are complex and they, we have to work with all these things together in order to get through this in a, a really smart way. So thank you all for being here. Uh, great second show. Appreciate everybody. And uh, Wendy on the great input and everybody have a great day. Thank you so much.